0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our epistle reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 with an emphasis on these words. St. Paul writes, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. On March 4, 1933, President Franklin D. Roosevelt took his oath of office as the 32nd President of the United States of America. He did so at the height of the Great Depression, addressing tens of millions of Americans who had lost their income, their savings, and many, even their homes or plans for the future. Against this backdrop of uncertainty and economic crisis, Roosevelt used his inaugural speech, As a platform to lay out the course of action for his administration, which would help relieve the burdens of the American people and set them back on the track to gainful employment and financial recovery, his so-called New Deal. Setting the stage for the immense amount of trust and effort that would be required of the citizens in the coming months and years, the President contrasted their woes with a message of hope and endurance, famously speaking that quote, which many of you likely remember him for today, "'The only thing we have to fear is fear itself.'" With these words, Roosevelt endeavored to channel in his hearers that American spirit of perseverance in the face of trial, as well as a willingness to take bold action for the sake of one's kin and country. What you may not remember was the rest of his quote, which characterize the dilemma of fear as follows. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. In every dark hour of our national life, a leadership of frankness and of vigor has met with that understanding and support of the people themselves, which is essential to victory. Roosevelt's message to the American people was clear. Do not let your fears weary your spirit to a state of stupefied inaction, especially when your country needs you. Furthermore, he was giving his guarantee that the focus of his administration would be a tireless support and encouragement of those efforts, in order to bring him out about a renewed national prosperity. This sense of optimism would reinvigorate the nation and provide the first steps toward recovery. Now jump forward just 89 short years, and our world today is wrestling with its own fears. In an era of economic uncertainty, a turbulent climate, and severe, even violent political divide, all set against a backdrop of the lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the word of the day is not perseverance. It's panic. Look at the news or social media, and you will be met with a rallying cry, urging you to be afraid. Be very afraid. Our fears have an awful way of causing us to freeze in our tracks when there is important work to be done, don't they? When our list of uncertainties is long and growing longer, we want to retreat to a place of safety, not to advance. Our weary hearts give us idle hands, which would much rather preoccupy themselves with fleeting pleasures and self-gratifying distractions than with the important work of our God-given vocations. Overwhelmed by fear, we become paralyzed, Stop me if you've heard any of these excuses before. Have kids? In this economy? Serve my community? When I can barely keep my head above water? Recycle? Why bother if the climate is already beyond repair? Vote? Why should I vote when my voice will not be heard? How can I invest in tomorrow, when the world around me today looks like it could give way at any moment? You know, friends, I cannot help but wonder if the disciples who heard Jesus' word in our gospel reading today felt the exact same way when he began to give his preaching concerning the end times. He said things like, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and pestilence. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake." And this is, of course, to say nothing of the rest of his end times prophecies, which include things like the destruction of the temple, the fall of Jerusalem, false prophets, days of wrath, vengeance, and war, fomenting seas, and fire in the skies. With such a list of things to fear, how could anyone possibly do as Jesus urged them? Do not be afraid, or straighten up, and raise your heads. We're just not programmed that way. When we see danger on the scale that Jesus describes, we want to do one of two things. We either want to run for the hills, or we want to bury our heads in the sand and wait until this all blows over. And yet, it is precisely into this climate of danger that Jesus sends not just his twelve disciples, but all Christians, to go and preach the good news of his salvation. With all that we see happening around us, and hearing Jesus' words in Luke 21, we cannot help but cry out in fear. Preach the good news? Why bother when people have already made up their minds? How could I possibly share the gospel when I could be rejected, persecuted, persecuted, or even killed for confessing my faith. The world is crumbling around me, O Lord, and you want me to keep my head held high? Well, to paraphrase our epistle reading for today from 2 Thessalonians, that is precisely right. Do not let your fears swallow up the reason for the hope that is in you. Do not let your weary hearts lead you to idle hands. It's somewhat ironic that the Apostle Paul would give this particular encouragement to the church in Thessalonica. After all, his own experience there could be considered nothing short of discouraging. Acts chapter 17 recounts how Paul and Silas, upon their first visit to that city, were met with an angry Jewish mob who persecuted them, drove them out of the city, and arrested their friend Jason. Given this rejection, would you blame Paul if he simply shook the dust from his boots and called his efforts in Thessalonica a wash? But no, his witness in this hostile territory bore fruit. For many Greeks and Jewish converts received the gospel and planted the church to which St. Paul would later write, As for you, brothers, do not grow weary of doing good. Now certainly, he acknowledged, that you are surrounded by hostility, busybodies, idleness. But remember our example. Persist in good works and in faithful teaching. And why? Because, he writes, the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Here, Paul reminds them of the words which Jesus himself used to encourage his twelve apostles. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. And when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Friends, I tell you, these promises were not just good for the original twelve disciples, nor were they just good for the early Christian church. But these promises are good to us, here, this day as well. Though the day seems dark, and though death waits behind every corner seeking to devour us, Christ Jesus has already secured our, out- our outcome. Though the very world give way, he will not allow one hair on your head to perish. In your baptism, he has guaranteed you that treasure which surpasses all worldly good which crumbles and fades away. He has purchased you and won you from sin and death, and they no longer have any power to claim you. Therefore, let your confidence be in him who has conquered all things on your behalf, your champion, your redeemer, and your advocate. Trusting that he has things firmly in hand Be empowered by His Holy Spirit to endure terror and affliction of all kinds. Be not paralyzed by fear, nor idle, when He has called you to labor in His kingdom. But instead, persevere in the midst of these hardships, knowing that by your efforts, your God has given to make His word of life known, even in our chaotic and sin-filled world. Do not, grow weary of doing good. Though we suffer for a time for the sake of the gospel, that day will come when the clouds will open and we will, altogether see the Son of Man coming in power and glory. On that day, when nations give way, and princes and powers and economies and wars and tumults and politics and pandemics are all blown away like dust in the wind, then all of those fears, which once so overwhelmed you, they will be as nothing in the face of Christ, who has brought you into his everlasting kingdom. When that day comes, O Christians, do not be terrified, but rejoice. See with your eyes how your redemption draws near. You will not perish with this world and all its wiles, for you have been made an eternal people. You have been given life for the sake of Him who suffered all, even death on a cross, to make you His own. Though the earth quakes, and though temples fall, let Christ crucified be your rock and your fortress, for in Him and him alone, you are made enduring. You are made strong to stand against every terror devised against you by that old evil foe. Take heart, for he is vanquished, and you, dear saints of the Lord, you are given victory over all things by the virtue of your Savior. Firm in this knowledge, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. In his most mighty name, amen.